2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Today's Sunday, April 19th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, and episode 361 with the longtime voice of the Celtics, Sean Grandy, is brought to you by betonline.ag. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus all right well welcome back it's been a few weeks since we've done one of these but what better way to re-entry into sports talk Celtics talk than with Well, a guy that maybe you can see there if, in fact, we're doing video, and that is the voice of the Celtics on radio, Sean Grandy, a good friend of the Celtics Beat program. And, you know, Sean, the first thing when I was texting you asking you to come on that I was kind of thinking about is that you are someone, we've spoken extensively about this, who's just always on the go. You're always busy. You have a very structured schedule, obviously, of your family life to balance with your professional life. But you've given up, you know, prominent broadcasting gigs in the past so as to kind of have a little bit more work life balance. Now it's it's swung the other way with no sports going on. It's all family balance, right? What is life like for you not being on a plane and always on the go and with a chart to prepare?
1: Well, it's very strange. It was particularly strange at first, although every year when you have the life that I've had for 20 something years, remember the season usually ends very suddenly. It can end out of nowhere. So you go from going 100 miles an hour to 0 and that happens overnight and the circumstances were remarkably different and nothing that we'll ever forget flying back from Milwaukee that day. But certainly it was like that. And that suddenly you were plunged completely without any preparation into what is essentially now our off season, depending on, you know, it doesn't matter really what's going to happen. If we finish the season, if we don't, whatever right now, we have turned mid-March, April and, you know, May is what July, August, and to some degree September always are. And maybe will be again uh in the future if and when we change this you know change the schedule but um it, that part is always very strange and obviously this this particular time is nothing any of us have ever experienced before but from a family standpoint uh, now instead of you know i all the time i have with my son i now get with my son and he we've been homeschooling him for three years now so he's the only kid who kind of feels like he got screwed a little bit like all his <laughs> friends are on vacation he's like what do you mean i still have I'm like sorry dude homeschool continues.
0: Yeah, Zoom life for everybody. I know my kids are constantly on these conferences. Maybe your son is as well. And unfortunately, I I am guessing that some of that is, is, you know, not to get too personal, but we were talking about it a little bit off the air before doing this, just that, you know, family life for you is a little bit different than you would have expected here in quarantine, because you're recently married, although your wife is states away. Yeah, my wife is uh, essentially
1: held hostage right now um, in New York. Essentially, people who don't know, my wife hosts uh, CBS This Morning Saturday uh, for CBS News, and she's in New York to do that basically on Fridays and Saturdays. And lives here the rest of the week, or if I don't have my son, you know, I'm down in New York with her or whatever. But essentially, she has to be in New York on Fridays and Saturdays. And it was a few weeks ago when Governor Baker kind of out of nowhere issued that order about people coming from New York had to quarantine for a certain period of time and that she can't do. She has to go back and forth. So essentially for the moment, and it's been a month plus now, she's basically, it's like one of those, you know, old school movies, like escape from New York. She's trapped (laughs) uh, in the city. And until things get relaxed until the rules are loosened a little bit regarding quarantine time, et cetera, it's, um, you know, I've I've tried to tell her, so we're single again, right? Like we can see (laughs) other people, but that, yeah, you can
0: see them through Zoom that, calls.
1: That hasn't, yeah, that hasn't really gone. Now, I guess people are dating. I, was, I talked to a friend of mine who's single, and she really? was saying like she had a Zoom date, and uh, so listen, people are going to find a way to date, right? yeah. no matter what. I think the this has stretched so much of us. Um, some of us, you know, some people financially, some people, you know, physically, all of us emotionally, but uh, I mean, creatively every time we get pushed in a certain direction in the history of this country, we find a way to be creative. I don't think people are going to stop dating no matter what you do.
0: Well, my wife said to me the other day, she's like, what do you think this is doing to affairs? I said, why are you asking me that? (laughs) That's that's when I
1: take the cell phone, by the way, and start. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Which phone are you on when you (laughs) you say that?
0: It is, it's a strange time. And obviously everybody, an element is, is, everyone's in the same boat obviously but then there are ways in which we discuss for you both personally and professionally that you're in a very unique circumstance what is just i think it's the the question that we all wonder on a daily basis when we wonder when when some level of normalcy that we once experienced will return what is the unprecedented nature of this like for you you know not knowing obviously when you 're going to see your wife again, when you're going to return to work again, the fact that like I mean this could this could drag on as we know for we're not talking weeks at this point, we're talking months
1: yeah, and I think that's uh, a lot of it is this sort of one day at a time element that we've all had to take to. It. I think we all knew it was going to be a little bit longer, and I think even things that are hap- things that are happening now, where we're so focused on the micro. And people now, and I'm just, you know, speaking today in, in the middle of April whatever, they would lose track of the days, whatever day hmm. today is. That the-
0: Ends in day. That's all we right, know. Exactly.
1: Uh, you know, people are starting to get frustrated. The weather gets warmer. You know, people want to be outside and they're kind of getting frustrated with the whole thing. But this is sort of, if you pay attention to what people were saying in March, this is sort of where we thought we would be in April where we've got that lag time between the the numbers and the the horrific statistics and, you know, people just wanting what they want. And now people are starting to gravitate towards what they want to hear. I, I hear it a lot, even in the small context or whatever degree it matters about the NBA and, you know, people. So, Hey, do you think we'll see games again, maybe at the garden, like in June or July and finish the regular season? And I'm like, you know, I, I was, I remain as optimistic as I was in March. I have a very similar view that I had when this all started in March. But I think we have to be realistic about what's going to happen and when we're all going to be together again at the Garden, for sure.
0: What do you think? And and it's the unanswerable question. Obviously, Adam Silver, on basically a a weekly basis, is asked sort of where his head is at. And I think all these commissioners save for maybe the NFL because that's the only one that wasn't as affected as the others. They're not losing any games in this moment. Maybe that could happen come the fall. But for the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, soccer, on and on and on across, you know, the the less of the Big Four, Big Five, what do you think? I mean, Silver seems to believe, or at least is remaining as publicly optimistic as he can. I don't know how he feels behind the scenes, but do you think it's even – realistic that we're talking about trying to finish this season or is there some sort of a cutoff date where they just say it's not worth affecting two seasons at this point and and starting next year late let's just scrap this thing and it sucks we're not going to have a champ but it is what it is
1: well I'll shoot down the two seasons thing in a second but my view and obviously I think it goes without saying, anybody watching, anybody listening gets it. Anything you hear, including what I am about to say, essentially means nothing right now because <laughs> we don't know anything. Right. All of that said, I think some things that are important to remember are, as each day goes by, and I think as each day goes by, I, th- I think the Adam Silver conference call with the Board of Governors the other day, people interpreted that as being more pessimistic than he has been previously. And I, I think that's fair. But again, nothing has changed. And I would say the following. To create some sort of version of the playoffs, add a new. Forget the logistics of the neutral site. Let's just talk about the the how much time it would take to do it. You can play four best of five rounds in an NBA playoff. And again, taking one more step back, I think everybody who let's say this because here's something we know: this will be the asterisk season of all asterisk seasons, and we know that. And it's not going to be an NBA Finals in front of twenty thousand people, but I think 99% of people polled would say, I'll take that. I'll take something. I'll take anything Mm -hmm. versus just blowing the entire thing off. All that said, what you need to do is have four playoff series, right, that are a best of five. Uh, I've never seen in my 20-something years in the league, I've never seen a season set up to go right to the playoffs like this one was. And I know Portland's going to complain and New Orleans is going to complain. Well, don't fall four or five games out with with 20 to go. I mean, the NHL has much more playoff issues to deal with that, and logistical issues to deal with. But the NBA is set up to go right to the playoffs. And I think I've always been of the opinion that the the regular season resuming and finishing, that's a pipe dream to me. But I, I just don't think it's realistic. That said, you could play four best-of-five series, right, and hmm. do that in a month, which means you wouldn't have to start until August 1st, maybe even later, which means essentially, and the reason I bring it that up in that example is people are – If there's a drop-dead date, Adam, I don't think that drop-dead date for this season is until July, and it's the middle of April right now, and it's been five, six weeks, and this has been awful, but I don't believe we are halfway yet between when this started and what a quote-unquote drop-dead date would be for this season.
0: Let's say they resume. Let's be optimistic, just because I think everyone needs a little bit of optimism. Which team – and obviously the Celtics are included in this. Which team do you think is most benefited by this break, this layoff, where everyone's in the same boat? You know, injured guys are getting healthier. Nobody can train the same way. Jason Tatum has talked about how he doesn't even have a hoop at his house. He hasn't picked up a basketball in a month. Which team has benefited the most by this? Which team has hurt the most by this?
1: Well, let me answer your optimism with pessimism. It's probably the Sixers, right? Yeah. <laughs> they get a chance to sort of restart, and after the Celtics would play, and what could be a very short. First round, obviously. I think taking too deep a dive into this, and you could say, well, LeBron will be rested. That's why he says it's a great year this year, because he barely played last year after playing thousands of minutes every year mm-hmm. for so many years. LeBron is basically coming off a year off, which is why he's been so good and has been the second best player you know, in the NBA this year. Um, I, I think that it's going to be wild. I think the seeding isn't going to matter. It's going to be a wide open tournament. I think there are teams you know that probably we, when I talk about the teams that would be in if you just went right to the playoffs there are probably teams like Brooklyn that would be saying wait a minute somebody want hey Portland if you want our spot <laughs> come take it because we didn't want to be in the playoffs to begin with um, I think people want content I think there will be as we go farther along in this this is a prediction I'll make I think there'll be more and more people saying uh, oh, don't bother with it I mean it's going to be such an asterisk thing and such a weird thing anyway I think that number will increase but just to finish the point earlier about the next season being interrupted and starting late and why affect two seasons. Here's the point. You want to start next season late. That is a good thing to start next season late because wherever we are in our world, you'd rather be starting on Christmas day than on October 25th. Cause that's two months later into testing. That's two mm-hmm. months later into fans coming back. That's two months later. It's two months closer to a vaccine. So to me, the argument that don't do it, because it will affect the start of next year is not a good argument because you want next season to start late. And that's before we get into the idea of people looking at that schedule and saying, huh, start the NBA season at Christmas every year and play into the summer. Maybe I like that better because you have less collision with the NFL. So there's a – forget 2022 and beyond, whether maybe that's the way to do it permanently. That's not the issue. The issue is you want the 2021 season. To start as late as possible. And by the way, it's going to be a crowded winter of 2021. You wait till people realize there's not going to be college football this fall. And then okay. they start asking the question, hey, can you play college football in the spring? And you could have as a crazy crowded sports schedule in the first half of 2021.
0: Thinking beyond, you know, where we're at and what next year looks like, I mean, just thinking long term, like totally shaking things up because you just alluded to it. And I think one of the first people to put it out and really outline a a date by date of when everything would happen, trade deadline, free agency, start of playoffs, all that might have been Bobby Marks, Marks, if I remember right. And he was proposing just totally revamping the NBA schedule and like you just said start at Christmas you run into the summer it just it morphs the existence of the NBA as we know it certainly I'm sure a, a lot of beat writers or maybe announcers like yourself would look at it and say well I, I kind of want my summer I don't want to be working through the summer we're used to x y and z but what do you think I mean it just totally reshaping the way that we view the NBA schedule for the not just the foreseeable future but long term is it a good idea
1: Uh, I think that it probably is. I think it's certainly an opportunity to look at things that we know need to be changed. For example, a big one is free agency in the draft and flipping the order of those Mm -hmm. two things. Um, That certainly, you know, this is an opportunity to get things like that done. Um, All these changes that people have wanted to make within the league, why not, you know, why not use this opportunity to do it now? To me, the only downside, I, I don't think anybody cares that any of us have our summer affected. And by the way, we're talking about the regular season. Going till uh, maybe let's say let's say the first week of June, and maybe playoffs. So 20, eight, 22 of the thirty teams would be done by June fifteenth, June sixteenth. So that's the majority of the league would be done by the time school was out anyway. And it would be if you're asking, you know, announcers or people connected to teams who have to work into July, it's because your team is competing for a championship. So I don't think that's going to be that big an issue and Mm -hmm. you know by the way uh, baseball announcers have been doing it for an entire generation (laughs) they've lost entire summers and that's how things go Uh, to me the only obstacle is do the tv rights holders jump up and say um or is that old school that you know july isn't what july used to be television wise versus may and it's not may sweeps anymore and think you know everything evolves so the only issue you have there, to me, is do the television partners rise up and say, "Wait a minute, we signed on for a a playoffs and a finals into May and June, not July into August."
0: One thing uh, my producer Evan Valenti brought up, I think it was a good question, it goes back to the possibility, obviously, if if we're to inject some negativity, some pessimism, let's say the season is over and and it is scrapped, they just can't figure it out, so. On to next year. Is there something from this Celtics season, something that was really noteworthy along the way, something that maybe you know you harped on, you really enjoyed that we forget about, you know, that we lose sight of going into next year? Maybe it was Daniel Tice's impact when nobody saw that coming. Maybe it was the uh, Jalen Brown's transformation after getting paid maybe it's the ascension of Jason Tatum although I don't think anyone will lose sight of that I don't know what it would be maybe you have a better example than any of those is there something that you think we will forget about that we enjoyed so much along the way
1: well I think we'll be reminded of it when we resume at some point which is that uh, it's funny we're working on the you know uh, the project that Max and I were working on you know late later in the year it kind of made mm-hmm. us realize that Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum went to the all-star game and Kemba was phenomenal at the start of the year, very early, not opening night, but very early in the year. He was really, really good. And he earned that spot in the all-star game. And then he had the injuries and he was out a little bit. Jason Tatum was okay. The first couple of months of the year. And then when he hit that spot in mid January, he just went to that crazy level and he had all these marquee games. He had so many big games on national TV and he earned that spot in the all-star game. But you could make the case, if you wanted to, that Jalen Brown was the Celtics' most consistent. When you take Gordon Hayward's injury, right, that Jalen Brown was the most consistent player. Maybe you could put Daniel Tyson in that conversation too, but at a high level, that Jalen Brown, his year belongs right alongside uh, Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum's year. It just wasn't as uneven. It wasn't as spectacular at times, or nor did it you know drop down at times. I thought he was clearly – Max and I talked about this a lot – that. Clearly, the Celtics were only going to get two spots on the All Star team. And we were having this conversation in early January and into mid January when so many of the Celtics were getting sick and missing games, which is another conversation about my theory that many of us have already had it. (laughs) And (laughs) there's a reason that only one Celtic tested positive, but that's another story. Uh, That Jalen Brown, he was ahead of Jason Tatum, in our view, up until mid late January for that second spot. And I don't think you could deny. You know, it didn't matter which one of them got it, but clearly Jason Tatum, those last few weeks before that second All-Star spot was decided, came you know roaring down the stretch before the All-Star game and earned that spot, and it was great. But maybe the fact that Jalen Brown, at a high level, when you consider Kemba missing games, Gordon Hayward's significant injury in the first part of the year, and Jason Tatum taking a couple of months to become Jason Tatum, that Jalen Brown maybe was the Celtics' best player for the 60-something games that we saw.
0: Want to take a quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, among other things, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack as they are bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations. You can wager on them. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Of course, you don't need to go anywhere, and quite frankly, you shouldn't. In fact, in some places, you can't. Visit the website or use your mobile device. Join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Let's get back to Sean. I'm going to attempt to have a conversation with you for five or ten minutes that, truthfully, we could spend hours and hours on. And you mentioned your partner, Cedric Maxwell, who, of course, made the CLNS family proud, as he so often does. Got the big exclusive with Ray Allen talking about – Really everything. I mean, he did a deep dive into 2008 and, you know, his leaving and the residual anger that still exists there and the hurt feelings and obviously the fact that Kevin Garnett's going into the Hall of Fame this summer, at least, you know, whether in person or not, I don't know. We'll see how all of that stuff plays out, but he's going to get the number five retired up to the Garden Rafters next season. These two guys, very different places in Celtics history, although they will forever be linked by that championship. One that, of course, they would not have won. Without Ray Allen, he was incredible throughout that season, most especially in the playoffs and certainly in that final series against the Lakers. But there's still that disconnect between those two. It seems like Allen is, for the most part, mended fences with everyone other than KG. You know Garnett better than most of us. You were in Minnesota with him. You obviously got to know him that much better when he came to Boston. Are uh, These guys, Doc Rivers has been asked about this too. Are are these guys going to find a way to, as Alan put it, have a a conversation, mend fences, and maybe Alan makes everybody happy and and he's at that ceremony, one of them, be it the Hall of Fame or the jersey raising?
1: We all hope so. Uh, I think, you know, Max and I have discussed this at length over and over. A lot of things you saw in that conversation with Ray are conversations that Max and I have had you know, many times off the air and on the air over the last couple of years that there was a extraordinary opportunity, I thought, for Ray during Paul Pierce's weekend. Because, listen, I understand Ray feeling burned. I was there that day. It was funny. It was one of the few days Max and I were not on the same page in all the years we've worked together. And that, you know, Max didn't think it was that bad the day Ray came back. And I remember being surprised. I thought it was going to be bad, and it was worse than I thought, because people were really still so angry at him. And I know Ray was hurt by that. And I know he didn't want at some level to go through that again, coming back. And I think that's something that's in the back of his head, but it wouldn't have happened on Paul Pierce weekend. It wouldn't mm-hmm. have. And I think, I think fans have, for the most part, gotten their anger out at Ray, you know, in that day that he came back that, that Sunday afternoon game. And I think they have let him know how they feel about that. But everybody wants to see this. Everybody wants to see this. It's the only uh, the the pebble in the shoe of two thousand eight of one of the greatest teams of all time in the history of the sport. The pebble in the shoe is that they can't have that old man reunion right now hmm. because there's still that that discomfort there. And one of the things that makes great players great usually is are their personality traits. And one of the things that makes Kevin Garnett Kevin Garnett is his absolute stubbornness and his belief in what is right. And he believes, you know, he is right. Will that conversation happen? I hope so. I think that it will. But these are two very proud guys who see things a certain way. And I understand, you know, Ray's, Kevin's view was you abandon us, you're out. And then Ray's view is, all right, well, they pushed me out. So uh, what else can I do? but I think it's going to take some humility on both of their parts to have this conversation. And I think it's, I think it's important that it, that it does happen. And I think everybody,
0: everybody wants to see it. What was Brad's first year? Was it 13, 14? It was. All right. So I've I've, I've I've been, been what's that? Vitor year, the- yeah. What a what a season. So I've been saying this then since 2013. I have said it. I don't know how many times on the radio, on a podcast. I've had this conversation with Max. I don't know if I've ever had it with you, and if I have, forgive me. You'd be more inclined to remember that than I would. But this has bugged me ever since then. So we're we're at what seven, eight years at this point. There is clearly on a, definitely on on the part of the fans, and maybe even within the organization, quite frankly. There is a double standard that exists about the way in which both Ray Allen and Doc Rivers left. And it will forever bother me as, you know, it, it, Doc comes back and he is just so beloved. And obviously maybe there's a part of it that's, he's so much more charming <laughs> than Ray Allen is. And there's, you know, he was the coach of that championship team, but he is the one who asked out. You know, he orchestrated his trade to the Clippers. He didn't want to be part of a rebuild here. Ray is the one who really kind of at the end of a championship window, whether KG and Paul and those guys wanted to admit that or not, they were kind of cooked. They were getting older, and he left as a free agent. And, of course, joined the enemy, and and that is viewed by some of those guys as unforgivable. I get it. But to me, there is a double standard there. In, in the way that they are just forever perceived around here now, at least by the fans and, again, maybe by some members of the organization.
1: We discussed this in the context of Al Horford because there's a double standard there between Ray and Al Horford because Al basically yeah. did the same thing, <laughs> almost, almost identical. Like what Doc did was start something different in a new place. Al did what Ray did. He left to go to the rival, to the enemy that you're competing mm-hmm. with you know, in a, in a battle right now, you know, within the conference. So I always thought that was, that was sort of interesting. There was a great movie when I was a kid called Night Shift yeah. uh, with, with Henry Winkler. And there was a, there's a line in it in which the uh, Henry Winkler, basically he and his friend, Michael Keaton, they take the business from, uh, from this pimp played by Richard Belzer and this other guy. And eventually they come back to get him late in the movie and they're about to kill him. And they say, it wouldn't be right to let you live after we killed Franklin. He was our friend. And that's all I kept thinking of when Al Hor like it wouldn't be right to not boo Al after we booed Ray. Cause we loved Ray. How can you not? How can you treat Allen any different? But I think it was circumstances, and I think fans sort of and everybody took their cue from Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. And you know when Ray left, you know the Doc was so beloved by those by the players. And I think that the Ray thing, let's let's call this what it is: the Ray thing didn't happen that day. It wasn't as if. Everything was perfect between every one of those guys. And they were this band of brothers. They were a band of brothers because they fought like brothers. You know, there were issues and there were dynamics within the – one day when I'll write my book, I'll tell you about physical fights between two guys on this team, on that championship team, one of which I was physically in the middle of on a bus because you couldn't get out of it. I mean, they used (laughs) to fight all the time. All right, so this happened in this group, but they, you know they, there was an overall love and a, a brotherhood. But you know there were issues. Listen, you had guys on on that team with extremely strong personalities. You know, Rajon Rondo is on this team. Ray mm-hmm. Allen is on this team. Kevin Garnett is on this team. They had their own you know very deep strong personalities. But I, I think that double standard is I, that, and it's not unusual. That happens in a lot of places in life. But I think people took their cue from the players, and Doc was a made man. And Ray, you know, when he left before it was over. You know, Doc left as it was over, and yeah. you know they they had come, you know, it had run its course. And I think, you know, the new Big Three era, which is its own book, had the had the two phases. And I'll tell you right now, Adam, that thing was over the day after Game Seven in LA in 2010. Hmm. It was over. When We get on that plane at LAX, the whole thing was done. I'm telling you, it was done. And by the time that plane landed, the blueprint and the momentum was, in effect, had started rolling towards what turned out to be the, the next three years of it. You know, with, with with Doc staying, with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce staying, with Shaq coming in, with the whole, you know, the, the, the next three years of it were in place. I, I always believe that. So you know, things, things change. I think everybody had been sort of looking over the door because as Danny would tell you, if Danny had one, you know, one regret, there's only a regret about the new big three era is that it didn't start soon enough. Mm-hmm. Those guys were all in their thirties. Imagine Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, imagine that group together two years earlier, three years earlier, four years earlier. And it's always, I felt the false comparison with the original big three era is that if you compare those, that those groups by age, Yeah, the other team won three, the 80s team won three championships, but they won those championships and those guys were in their 20s. -hmm. If you look at the age of the big three and those six years and you compare the new big three are properly to 87 to 93. For the original big three, you know, the new big three outperformed them. We're only left to wonder, you know, what if, you know, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce were three of the best players in the NBA in 2004 and 2006. Uh, you know, what if they had been together then?
0: Yeah. I mean, people just, they, they, and, and I say this more about fans, you know, they lose sight of not just the infighting that you talked about, but it, it went higher, you know, it went to Doc and the fact that he was being benched by the end for Avery Bradley, it went to Danny and the fact that Danny tried multiple times to trade Ray and it just, you know, it fell through. There was the OJ Mayo situation a couple of times. So it, I don't know. Like I said, we could go on and on. Instead, let's let's Well, one you day, look like you want to say day. something.
1: Not today. The day will not yeah. be terrible. one day. We'll talk about how close it came to being Ray Allen for Tracy McGrady.
2: I would like to have that conversation. <laughs> That's a big market tease right there. If you've been following me on Twitter, you may have noticed I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I decided it's time to get back to my MVP weight. So I started Awaken 180 weight loss. I'm already feeling fantastic. The best part, I'm already down nine pounds. I could have hit the treadmill for a year and not seen the results that I've had with Awaken 180. Just like during my plan days, Awaken is all about losing weight and focusing on nutrition, coaching, and science. No pills, no gym. As you know, I travel a ton, but no worries there because Awaken 180 has a worldwide program. I can still have my weekly consults via Skype. When I'm back in Boston, I visit the Government Center location. Besides healthy living, my favorite part about Awaken is free support for life. We are all stuck at home these days, but join me and get healthy call the solution for weight loss, awaken180 weight loss. Get on board, Jess's idea. Go to awaken180weightloss.com. So let's let's end with this. This is something
0: that I I am just so excited about. You probably are as well, and I know NBA fans across the board are as we chat right now early on a Sunday, this is happening tonight, parts 1 and 2 of The Last Dance, the look by ESPN this this 10-part docu series on the end of the Chicago Bulls era that final season before everybody knew they were breaking up and uh you know it, it's still almost uh, well I'm looking forward to the documentary explaining it quite frankly because it's still just a little confusing the fact that you know championship after championship after championship that they were going to break things up to begin with but that Phil was gone and Michael wasn't going to play for anybody else and so on and so forth just as an NBA fan as an NBA historian as someone who was around so much of this as a broadcaster how excited are you to watch this thing
1: well one of the reasons i'm so excited to see this because i wasn't around this is the last year that i was not i went into the league in 1998 and oh interesting one of the reasons it's one of i mean how old do you think i am a second (laughs) crazy.
0: i know you've been around
1: (laughs) that's true been around you know as this al pacino speech i get introduced now all the time is hey now joining us the longtime voice of the boston so i know what that means
0: i (laughs) <laughs> I,
1: I understand the code written in there i know I'm, I'm, does that it, mean when, it,
0: when it's gorman we're supposed to say the long time yeah,
1: well as I've, I've done this line with you many many times and i've done it i've done it with many people but that's the thing about me is that for the last 20 years i've been around mike gorman tommy Heinsohn, and cedric maxwell so i'm still the kid right i'm right. still a young guy in that group and it's uh one of the i'm often accused of maybe going over the top in some of the people that i quote and maybe too literary but to quote one of the great literary figures of our time, Thornton Mellon, and back to school who said, if you want to look thin, surround yourself with fat people. Yeah, so By being around guys who are older than me, I've always been the, you know, even though I'm staring down a big birthday coming up, it's like, yeah, you, you feel like you're the, you're the kids surrounded by that. But yeah, one of the reasons Max and I was fought about Jordan coming back in Washington and I loved it because I never got to call a Michael Jordan game. So I loved it when Jordan played in Washington and Max hated it because it ruined his legacy and this mm-hmm. and that and the other thing. And Jordan is still one of the best players in the league in, you know, in 2002, 2003. But um, I'm excited to go back to a time before I was in the league, uh, this legendary team that on opening night lost in Boston to, in the first Rick Patino game, yeah, which is the 85, 86 Celtics version of losing in New Jersey.
0: Right. Now, correct this is my memory here, but again, I, I alluded to it before. Your memory is great and mine sucks, so you would be more inclined to remember this. Was that Halloween night, yep. or was it just, okay, I I distinctly remember watching the game and then going out trick-or-treating. There's a uh,
1: sports radio, and I was, whatever I was, 25, I don't remember, but we were working with Glenn Ordway on the big show at that time, and we had a uh, what I remember about that game, this is a really hardcore, wonky sports radio store for people who remember 20 years ago what the big show was uh, with Glenn Ordway. And we had a producer who used to run, run the board, as we say, and his name was Rick Hyatt. We call Rick the Stick. And he was a very popular character on the show, and he was leaving. So we set up this whole thing where I thought it would make Glenn look a lot more domineering if he threatened to fire him. So we came up with this idea for that opening night game that he would have to get Dennis Rodman booked on the show or else he'd be fired knowing full well he's never going to get Dennis Rodman on the show (laughs) on opening night. So we built this up for two weeks, knowing it would never happen. And, of course, he doesn't get Rodman on the show. And Glenn fires him, even though he's leaving anyway. And it made it look like, you know, it just made Glenn into a much bigger bad guy for (laughs) for firing him. Uh, I think, you know, this is a really interesting time. You know, my, my friend Bill Simmons kind of pushed forward the theory that this Michael was behind getting this done now because the legacy of that team, as time goes by, starts to fade a little bit, even though whenever we talk about what Golden State did over the last few years and what that 08 Celtics team did with that double-digit scoring differential and how rare it was that the only – when the Celtics did that in 2008, they were only the second group to do that in 35 years by outscoring Hmm. teams by 10 points a game for an entire season. And the only teams that had done it in the previous 35 years were three of those six championship teams the, the Michael Jordan Bulls and it's hard to even comprehend just how dominant they were and you're talking about with 08 and with these 90s teams scores are much lower there are far fewer possessions so golden state outscoring teams by 10 points a game which is ultra impressive isn't quite the 08 Celtics or these 92 96 Bulls doing it you know year in year out it was you know an amazing time for everybody to be you know max was broadcasting the games certainly during the during the end of that time
0: played against Jordan. You obviously mentioned 2008. Before I let you go, is there an equivalent to obviously what ESPN, the Bulls, and everybody, and it was very cool Adam Silver when he was an executive at NBA Entertainment is actually the one that greenlit them having that behind the scenes yeah. documentary crew all the way back in the late 90s that did this, and obviously he's the commissioner now. Is there an equivalent, um, you know, kind of documentary that that could be? featured the Celtics that could be put together maybe it's in years from now it's based around the new big three era maybe it goes back and it's the the original big three era maybe it kind of already exists with the documentaries that NBC Sports Boston has put out over the last few years is what do you think is is there some time period that you think could be uh, um, I don't know remembered in, in and produced in the same way that this Bulls thing will be
1: I think the 08 team and the new big three era certainly could be. It wouldn't be on that scale. And, you know, the, the NBC Boston one on 08, I, I think the only problem with documentaries, anyone who's ever tried to do one will tell you is that time goes by and the stories change a little bit. So the sooner it comes out after it happened, maybe, I don't want to say the less, the less relevant it is, but it's, it's hard within the context of a, you know, a short period of time to sort of tell all the, you know, to tell all the stories. There are a lot of things. It's impossible to do a perfect documentary because everyone that's watching, it goes, Oh, but what about the time that this happened? What about the time that this happened? And that '08 Celtics documentary, you know, Jim Aberdale and those guys put together and it's great, but could you, could that have been four or five times longer as someone who was, yeah, on those buses and on <laughs> those planes and um, sat through the year, the year before when, you know, I've always, I've always sort of prepared for this interview my whole life, but uh, all you need to know about 2007 and 2008 for the Celtics and the greatest one season turnaround, maybe in the history of sports, is that in 2007 the Celtics starting off guard was Allen Ray. <laughs> and a year later it was Ray Allen. And that's really all you How need great to know. is that? The, the poetry of that yeah. and what those two years were and that the th- the thing was over. You know, you don't get the pick and it was, it was done. It just really felt hopeless. And I think, Maybe this is a good time to remember when things seem hopeless, they never they never truly are. And something I've always said, and maybe it applies to all of our lives right now, is that when you are winning, it seems like you will never lose again. And when you are losing, it feels like you will never win again. But it always, you know, eventually evens out. And there are going to be games again. Uh, there are going to be fans again. It's very obvious to me, and it's been for the last couple of weeks. And I think people are starting to realize now there is a significant difference between starting up sports and starting up sports with fans that that is a there's a significant gap between those two things and eventually we're going to get back to both and the faster we try to rush it history will tell us is a you know a huge mistake so take advantage of the time let's worry about what we have now not what we don't and know that there's there's too much of all of us in wanting now what we want that it will happen it's just you know we got to be patient
0: so as we sign off, are you going to shake hands again when society is society again, or, or are you a full-time elbow bump?
1: Well, I think the funniest part of all that was I tell this story a lot after I went off to do my MMA thing for a couple of years is that, um, you know, it always, you know, I've been in the NBA for whatever, 15 years I've been in and everybody just, we always shook hands and you see people and shake hands. The MMA world is... Way more than handshaking. It's the full come in, bro hug, yeah, bro hug thing. It's that that world. It's a very physical world. I remember after my first summer in MMA, I come back in the fall of 2015, and I'm seeing all my guys like first day of training camp, and I'm like, I'm coming in for the full, you know, and you know, guys. Oh, I, oh, I don't know what, what. So I think there's gonna be a <laughs> lot of. I, I I think before everything went crazy in March, the biggest danger we had is that we didn't have a universal handshake and some people were coming in low and some people were coming up for a fist bump and somebody was going to get their jaw broken. (laughs) Um, So I think what, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's universal, I think when Americans are universal in mind, as I said at the start of all of us sitting at home, you know, don't ever doubt that America will survive this because we've always have. Don't ever doubt that when we are of single purpose of mind, and not all individuals that we will overcome things because we always have but mostly more than anything during this time remember this there is nothing there is no country there is no illness there is no virus there is nothing that will ever ever defeat america when the contest is sitting on the couch watching tv <laughs>
2: That's we are the
1: true. we are the dream team of that <laughs> we are the angolas in trouble kind of dream team of of sitting at home doing nothing so uh, that that was sort of my keynote in March. It applies now. And listen, I had to do one of these videos for my little league team. Cause we were supposed to start, you know, opening day. It was supposed to be next week and it's obvious we're not going to have much, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to split the season, play half in June, half in September. Are we going to move <laughs> into, we don't know, but everybody wants the same thing. We all want to be back. Max and I want to be back with you guys and want to be calling games and we're going to uh, we're going to get there. And hopefully we use this time to, Uh, When we do get back to appreciate it a little more.
0: Well, as you heard, he is the longtime voice of the Celtics. And don't you worry, he will be again. Sean Grandy, thanks so much. You got it, man. Awesome stuff from Grandy. And uh, boy, we could have gone on for, you know, so much longer with all the things that obviously have been missing from our daily lives, but a lot of great stories that can be told as well. And maybe, I don't know, the way we're consuming content, obviously, is very different right now. And maybe the next time that he's on, we can further explore that. Because I do think there are some positive things that can come out of all of this stuff whenever we do get to the other side of it. But in the meantime, thanks again, obviously, to Sean, John, Nick, Evan, everybody at CLNS Media. Today's show brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Let's get out of here. On to next time. And hey, as I always tell you, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.